Hey, my name's Ruben, the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. Welcome to our podcast, where you can catch up on all the messages that you might have missed, or you might want to hear again. We hope you enjoy this message. We hope it challenges you. We hope it encourages you. And we hope ultimately that it would draw you closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning. Oh, that was really good. That's fantastic. Good to see you all are still awake, which is brilliant. So here we are at the end of our For This Reason series. It's been a fantastic series, right? Uh, can we just honor all the people who've spoken into our lives with that series? Let's give them a hand this morning. And um, yeah, it's, it's a real privilege to be able to wrap up uh, the series this morning. And um, just a, a shameless plug for our podcast. Um, we have done a bit of work, uh, Isaac and myself and Jake. And um, we've just done a bit of a recap on this series for this reason, uh, looking at the, big, uh, the book of Ephesians. And if you want to check that out, that's on our social media. You can go on to our Apple podcast or Spotify podcast or YouTube. Uh, and there's a, there's a conversation that we have that just sort of captures some of the things that is possibly missed in this series that we would have liked to have spent more time on. Um, also, how it all came about and how this series fits into where we're going and the direction that we're going as a, as a church. So I encourage you to, to check it out and um, make sure you follow us. If you follow, this is another selfless plug to get more followers, but if you follow us, then we don't have to keep telling you what's coming up because you get notifications when you follow and you turn on subscribe. So please do that. And we'd love to keep you updated with what's, with what's going on. Um, but here we are in the, the last part of uh, an 11-week series um, f- called For This Reason. And today we're looking at We Stand Strong. But I, st- I want to start with a story. I want to start with a story. So um, Sarah and I have been married 10 years just last week. And um, that's, that's good. Thank you. And um, I want to cast uh, you back to whenever I first met Sarah's parents. All right. So it was, it's quite a big deal when it's someone that you know that, man, I really love this person. I, I think I want to spend the rest of my life with her. And, and I want to make a good impre- impression with the parents. Um, so I decided, it's ridiculous when I look back, but I, I decided that I would go and buy myself a new outfit. And I was a very poor student, so it was um, off to Primark, which is Kmart and, um, in the UK. And, and I got myself, um, I got myself a, a woolly jumper. And I have no idea why I decided to buy a woolly jumper. Because I never wear a woolly jumper, like I never wear woolly jumpers. And I decided to get one of those ones that's so thick and it just sits so high up on your neck, it looked like you're in a brace. And like it zips, it zips up and you know, it's like a three-quarter zip thing. And I got myself a new pair of jeans and I thought, man, I really want to make a good impression. So I, I rock off to Sarah's uh, house and I, I drive down in my V-Dub polo that's bright green. And it really struggles to start. And, and I arrive and, and, and then I go into the house and I realize that they have a roaring fire going. And I mean, it is warm. Like, this place is so warm. So instantly I knew I, I, like, I have dressed wrong for the occasion here. Like, I really have. But th- unfortunately, there's more. For my sake, there's more in this story that gets worse, right? So I go in. Uh, I meet the parents. That all goes really well, which is lovely. Um, but I'm starting to get real warm. And I didn't wear the right T-shirt underneath. So I can't take this jumper off. So I am, I am committed to this jumper. And it's staying on whether I like it or not. Long story short, we're sitting around the dinner table which is a lovely round table and these chairs and, and um, the, the chairs are they're, they're leather, right? And um, I'm, I'm getting warmer and warmer, um, even starting to like sweat through my legs, okay? 
Like, I'm, I'm so unbearably hot at this point. And I have so many regrets about this jumper. <laughs> this jumper is just like, I hate this jumper right now at this moment. And I was thinking to myself, why did I not just go with a simple T-shirt? You know? I wear it all the rest of the time. Or maybe, a, you know, a, a check shirt opened. You know, that's kind of a good style these days. And anyway, we're having dinner, and it's all going really well, making a good impression. But I go to get up after dinner, and I kid you not, I'm stuck to the seat. I am literally stuck to the seat. I am not kidding you. This was probably the most embarrassing sort of moment I could have had meeting Sarah's parents for the very first time. So I have to stand up, and the chair comes with me. <laughs> Lovely to see you guys. And then I peel myself. I literally had to peel myself off the chair. And I didn't know this, but Sarah's dad had actually polished the seats before I came. It's his fault, really. Who polishes seats? But he did. And, and then I, I thought, oh, well, at least that's over. And then I turned around, and from top to bottom, these were red leather seats. And he happened to use red polish. I was red from top to bottom. And I had, I had to, like, take my clothes off, get them washed by Sarah's mom. I mean, you couldn't have had a more embarrassing first impression ever. But I shortly recognized that I had definitely chosen the wrong thing to wear, and I should have stuck with my gut and not tried so hard. But there's a, there's a reason for that story, and it's because in today's passage, we're going to learn and we're going to read about what we're supposed to wear when we come up fighting against, or fighting this good fight for Christ, okay? What to wear in order to be able to go up against the evil and the temptations of this world. A nice light passage to finish the series. You see, being a Christian, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. But I really want to make this well known. It is fantastic. Thank you, Philippa. It is fantastic. Come on, church. It is the best decision you'll ever make to follow Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Much better, much better. But it's not easy at times. And the reason why it's not easy is because we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle, and Satan, who is the evil one, wants to bring us down. But, but God in His love and His provision, God is so good to us, and we've been singing how faithful He is this morning. God in His love and His provision to us has given us a spiritual armor to wear that we might stand firm even as Satan and his evil spirits try to make us fall. It's good, right? It's good. With that in mind, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for the gift of your word. We thank you for this book of Ephesians that we've been reading and learning from over the last uh, few weeks. And Lord God, I ask that, um, that the truth that is contained in this book will just continue to be speaking into our lives and changing our hearts. Lord, I praise you for the, the sermons that we've listened to and all the work that's been done so far. I'm grateful for the, the instructions and the commands and the way that we're to live our lives in the second half of this book. And I pray as we come to finish this sermon series today in Ephesians 6, that you may speak to us again by your Spirit. Lord, I pray it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your words coming through the sermon. That you are honored, that you are glorified, that you're lifted high, and each of us would lift our eyes and see the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So come, Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today in our final part of our sermon series, uh, for this reason, it's in the book of Ephesians. And it's, it's been said, and, and you can summarize the whole book of Ephesians with three words and I don't know whether you know this, but it's sit, walk, and stand. Sit, walk, and stand. 
So in the first three chapters of Ephesians, uh, it, it, it's a message to the Christians about, about sitting and learning from what God is teaching them. So God does all of this work. God moves in, in mightily in, in salvation. He blesses Christians. He calls them from being far away, uh, far away to be very near. He, he rescues Christians. And, and, and all, all the Christians have to do is, is, is sit in that and read that and learn that in that moment for the first three, three chapters. So we receive salvation that God has won for us by believing in Jesus Christ. So that's chapters 1 to 3. And then we move into chapters 4 and 5, and we looked at those in the last couple of weeks, where, where Paul starts to write into Christians, and he's saying that, that you as Christians, and here at Crossroads, you as Christians, it, I want to tell you how to walk in that. I want to tell you how to walk in that. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, he says, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a worthy manner of the calling in which you've been called. 4.17, Paul says, you no longer walk as Gentiles do. Chapter 5, verse 2, Paul says, walk in love as Christ loved us and give himself up for us. Chapter 5, verse 15, Paul writes, now look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So after sitting, and only after sitting, and receiving the knowledge of Christ, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are called to, to start walking with him, and he teaches us how to walk with him. Then we get to chapter, chapter 6, and we're called to stand. We're called to stand. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with us to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to finish off the, the whole book of Ephesians by reading uh, verses 10 right through to the end of the book. But Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through to 24. And the words will be on the screen, but I encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow through as we'll be referring back to it later on. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I can fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the, the dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know who you are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. Amen. So this passage really clearly tells us 
that, that Satan wants to take Christians down. He wants Christians to fall. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you're in a battle. You're in a battle against the devil and his evil schemes. And when I mention the devil, we may have this image of a red figure with goat's bodies and horns and a pitchfork. And surprisingly, it was interesting when we looked into how that all came about. The imagery that derived, it actually came from both the Greek mythology and the book of Revelation, where people got this idea of what the devil looked like. The horns, it comes from the book of Revelation, that it describes a great beast that has horns. The goat's body or the, the cloven hooves is one of the largest influences that um, comes from the Greek god Pan, and he's known as the god of the wilderness, uh, and many stories associate him with, with lust. The ponytail um, was another symbol connected to Revelation because John writes about a great red dragon that his tail swept down a third of the stars of the heaven and cast them to the earth. The pitchfork that we often see is also known as a bident, that, that, that the pitchfork-like staff was used by the Greek god of the underworld, Hades, and that represented his sovereignty over the dead. Since Satan is viewed as the lord of hell, he is frequently drawn or, or sketched out or depicted with a bident, with a pitchfork. And the wearing of red tights um, is more recent, it actually came um, recently, um, and it was highly influenced by, by Disney, by Disney. So um, you think back to the cartoon days of Disney when uh, they used to have an angel and then they would have a, a devil on the side uh, wearing, wearing red tights. That's, that's where these images came from. And then in the Middle Ages, which is, which is interesting, the Catholic Church, they decided to go with this image of Satan. So the, the horns, the goat legs, the bright red, uh, the pitchfork, and then what they would do is they'd paint scary images around all over the world, uh, and they wanted to scare people into becoming Christians. Interesting, interesting tactic. But the problem was with this, that it would make Satan to look like a complete fool. And he would appear really, really obvious and really, really uh, blatantly uh, evil. And, and C.S. Lewis said this, because we've made this mythical creature, it came to the point where people would think he's just not real. He's just not real. Well, actually, the version of, of Satan that we see in the Bible is, is a lot different to that. In the Bible, Satan, he works very subtly. He schemes. He plots. He fires accusations. And he lies against us as Christians. And his goal is to take Christians down and to cause them to fall. See, remember in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, uh, in the Garden of Eden having their uh, absolute perfection, and they're uh, really enjoying the presence of God. They're walking with Him in the garden, and along comes the serpent. And the serpent comes, and he tricks Adam and Eve, and he, he speaks lies into them and tells them that you can have the same power as God if you just eat this fruit, even though they knew that God had told them not to. And that moment in history is called the fall, where the brokenness began. In that moment in history, humanity disobeyed God, and they moved from this joyful obedience, walking in truth, walking in His presence, to rebelling against Him. You see, the devil, he wants you to turn from life to death. He wants you to turn from light to darkness. 
And he's going to do whatever he can to make that happen in your life. And for those who are not Christians, you're so welcome here this morning, and it's wonderful to have you with us. But he wants to keep you. He wants to keep you, and he wants to convince you that it's not true. He wants to keep you away from choosing to follow Christ. So in this life as Christians, we experience attacks from the evil one. And in the book of Ephesians, we're reading that Paul is telling the church that this is how you should stand against the evil one. So Paul writes to the, church, uh, the, the, the Ephesian Christians, and he says to them, be strong. Verse 10, he says, stand against the evil schemes of the devil. So today we want to answer this question. We want to look at this question. How can we stand firm as Christians when we're engaged in a spiritual warfare against the evil powers, including Satan, who wants us to fall? How can we stand firm through that? Look at verse 11 with me. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. God has led out this full set of armor for us as Christians. And he's given us a helmet. He's given us a breastplate. He's given us a belt. He's given us the right shoes to walk in. He's given us a shield and he's given us a sword. God has crafted and laid out a full set of armor. And all we need to do is to pick it up and put it on. Yet sometimes, sometimes if we're honest, we're up and out the door in the mornings and we forget to put on the right clothes. We're up and out the door in the morning and we don't take time to put on the full armor of God. And honestly, we leave it lying in place and instead of taking it up, we just leave it behind because sometimes we think we can do it on our own. But that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to put on the full armor of God so that when the evil one comes, we can stand firm. Now, before I get into the details of the armor and what God has given us, I just want to throw a few things in that I've seen that I've been working through this text, and I've found a few things that relate back to the Old Testament into this. And it's, it's me, I, I just love this process of doing this, and I hope you find it interesting, so stay with me. See, the first thing that we want to see as Christians is this strength does not really come from within us. You've got to understand this. this. This armor of God isn't something that comes within us. The strength to stand is not me going, oh, I really want to try hard and I want to stand firm. It's not this inner resolve in my heart that's going to keep me going when Satan tries to bring me down. Rather, you see, in, in Ephesians 6, it looks externally. And to know that our strength, that our armor, it comes from God. Is sometimes we talk about the strength that comes from within. Well, actually, in this passage, that strength comes from the armor. Nothing to do with us. It's external, and it is given to us by God. And yet, at the same time, the armor is things like truth and righteousness and faith. So God, He crafts this external armor that we can put on, and we're looking to God for our strength. We're relying on Him, not on ourselves. And at the same time, even when we continually put this armor on, God is so good and so faithful, it not only covers up us externally, but it also starts to change us inside as well, because we're continually relying on God. 
You see, David spoke about this in the Psalms. He said in Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I don't know about you, but do you feel weak this morning? And in and of yourself, you know, I do. I do. Every single one of us by ourselves are weak. This is how I feel this morning. There's no way that I can withstand Satan's attacks on my own. How am I supposed to do that? You know, I get tired easy. I'm a weak human being, even though you all think I'm pretty strong. But the key is not finding strength in yourself. It's about finding and seeing the strength that God provides. You see, when you look externally to God, you look externally to God, your strength, suddenly He clothes you in this amazing armor. And this concept is just brilliant. It is so strong and mighty. Am I weak? Absolutely, I'm weak. But God is strong. He is strong. He's mighty. And He's given us a spiritual armor that's so strong that even weak little me can withstand Satan's attacks. In fact, this is amazing. This is incredible. And I've studied this passage, and I've started to see this beautiful truth. When you start to place the armor of God that Paul describes in in Ephesians 6, we can see it in this Old Testament context. You start to see that in the Old Testament, it's God and God's Messiah being Jesus, who's actually worn the very same armor. So in Isaiah 11, verse 5, there's a verse that says this. It's, it's, It's the Messiah who's wearing the belt of faithfulness around his thighs. Now, the Hebrew word of the faithfulness, when it's translated into Greek, was translated to aletheia. Aletheia is the Greek word for truth. So in Ephesians 6, where Paul says we want to put on the belt of truth, he's saying you want to put on the same belt of faithfulness that is with the Messiah wore, that is the belt of truth in Isaiah chapter 11. Now, that's just one part. Let's keep going. Isaiah 59 verse 17, God himself puts a righteousness, uh, puts puts on as a righteousness, a breastplate, and he puts on his head a helmet of salvation. Isaiah 52 verse 7, it says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims salvation, who says to Israel, our God reigns. Isaiah 52 is a Masonic uh, 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 passage of scripture, uh, and verse 7, uh, as well as in the book of Nahum, we re- it's quoted as same as Ephesians 6, and there's only three places, three places in the Bible where it's quoted where he talks about the feet that steps out to bring the good news of the gospel. This stuff isn't by chance, people. And so we're reading in Ephesians 6, uh, Paul says that we're to have the shoes of readiness or the feet of readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Peace, not police. He's alluding to Isaiah 52, verse 7, where the Messiah, who has beautiful feet and brings the good news and proclaims salvation and says to Israel, your God reigns. The sword of the Spirit comes from Isaiah 49, verse 2, when God's servant, the Messiah, speaks and says, the Lord has made my mouth like a sharp sword. And we also know if you've been a Christian for a while and, and have read, read Scripture for a bit, you would know the story of Jesus in the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan, 
What's Jesus' response in that moment? He starts quoting Scripture. The Word of God defends him against Satan's lies. So here in Ephesians, in Ephesians, when Paul says, put on the armor of God, he's calling us to put on the armor that God himself has already worn. Imagine this picture. It's beautiful, isn't it? Imagine the picture of God saying, here, I've worn this helmet. You take it. Here's the helmet of, of salvation. I've worn it. You wear it now. I, I've worn this breastplate. Here, you wear it now. You take it. I've gone into battle. I've won salvation. Now here, put on these shoes and take the good news of Jesus to other people. I'm taking off this belt. I wear this belt of truth, truth, but you go as a Christian and you take that truth wherever you go. My armor becomes your armor. Christian, my beloved son or daughter. You see, the effectiveness of the, the armor that is listed in Ephesians 6 comes from God's own strength. He has worn this armor and he's proved it to be affected because no one can defeat our God. No one can defeat our God. Jesus wore this very armor and he won salvation for all of us who, who have accepted him as our Savior. He defeated the greatest enemies. He defeated death. He defeated sin upon the cross. And Jesus wore this armor. The Messiah, the God, has worn this armor and he gives it to us. Christians, do not find their strength internally. No, we find it in the armor of God. So let's look at the armor of God. Firstly, the belt of truth. In verse 14, we're told to fasten the belt of truth. One of Satan's schemes is to feed us lies. Satan says things like this to Christian, you know that God loves you, but times are changing, and now this is what you should believe. And if you believe in that stuff, it's all just old school stuff now. There's new stuff to know. If God is really good, then why is there so much pain and hurting in the world? You see, Satan just loves to feed on the lies that aren't true. And so it's very, very important as Christians that we are protected by the belt of truth. We need to cling to the truth, church. Amen? Because Satan is going to lie to us and needs to, uh, and we need to be able to keep him at bay, keep him back by holding on and fastening to the truth. You see, Jesus himself describes this, uh, he describes himself as truth. We all know that verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in some sense, we're putting on the belt of truth, we're putting on Christ himself. He is truth. It's the greatest truth of all the history. In Ephesians 4 verse 21, Paul writes this, that you have heard about Christ and were taught in him as is the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus, people. So to put on the belt of truth is to remember that the truth is Jesus Christ. The truth is the good news. The gospel, the truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ died and rose again so that we all could have a relationship with him. We need to know the truth of Jesus' words, and all that he spoke is true, for Jesus is the one who speaks truth, and he is God, and God is true. We need to remember all the things he said when he walked this earth. We need to remember the truth of his existence, 
the truth of His death, the truth of His resurrection. And we need to bind up and fasten these truths in our lives and wear this belt of truth to protect us against the Satan's lies. To know Christ's truth is to wear and remember those truths. But also, we need to make the decision to live honestly and to be truthful in all that we do. There's no point preaching truth than living untruthful. So the belt of truth, that's important. The breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14, Paul talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the opposite of righteousness in the Bible is guilt and wickedness. When a Christian is declared righteous, they are declared in the sight of God, listen to this, in the sight of God to be good and innocent. Wow. You know, every single Christian that has taken part in this great exchange, every single Christian has taken part in this wonderful great exchange that Christians give Jesus their sin. Jesus takes it upon himself. An exchange, he sees us as completely blameless and good. Does that not blow your mind? You see, he was always good, always kind, always caring. Jesus did everything that was good. We've sang about it this morning. He is good. And sin, this great exchange, Jesus takes our sin that we may receive this righteousness so that we can now stand before God with Christ's righteousness. You're blameless. You're good in God's eyes. Whereas Christ takes upon himself all our sins and the things that we've done wrong. And we, Isaac talked about this morning, he died a criminal's death. Picture this, we give Jesus our dirty, torn, ruined garments of sin. And in exchange, Jesus gives us a breastplate of righteousness to wear instead. And I can imagine if it was a real breastplate, it would be beautiful. Now, I wear this right breastplate of righteousness, and in God's sight, I am His child, righteous, I'm good, I'm blameless in His sight. That gives me a tremendous confidence, church to know that I'm wearing the breastplate of righteousness. What can Satan say to me if God sees me as righteous? What can he say to me if God sees me as his child who's innocent and good in his sight? Because if God is for me, then who can be against me? Amen? The shoes of readiness. I love this picture. Paul says that this good news about peace, this good news about peace should be given with, uh, with readiness. You know, we've been talking about this a lot. The first half of Ephesians was sharing the gospel and what it looks like. He's speaking about this readiness to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We need to equip ourselves to be ready to do that. If you know people who don't know God in your life, your co-workers, your friends, your neighbors, your family members, our role is to put on the shoes of readiness. Probably would have been sandals back in the day. Be ready to share the good news of Jesus. And do it in a wise and gentle, loving, caring way. But don't shrink back. Don't shrink back. Be ready. Be always, but always be ready. God gives us opportunities in our daily lives to share the gospel. And sometimes we're not ready, but we need to be equipped to be ready. And I'm really hoping this next series that we're bringing in is going to do that for you. It's going to really help us equip that. But just a quick testimony to share from what's happened already this week. We had training last Saturday um, with Nick and Sarah at the Way Training. Uh, and they taught us a bit about sharing the gospel and, and give us this really simple example of how to do that. 
Well, someone in our church took up the took up the opportunity to do that this week, shared the gospel with someone in this simple manner, and guess what? They gave their life to Christ. Come on, it's good. We have to have the shoes of readiness. The next thing is the shield of faith, verse sixteen. You see, Paul talks about the shield of faith, and he says that the faith is the power to extinguish the fiery darts that the evil one sends. Those sharp, piercing accusations that Satan sends your way to bring you down, to set our lives on fire, to, to take us away from our faith in God. Jesus Christ says our faith can make us fireproof, bulletproof. You see, I want to tell you, it's not about the size of your faith that matters. You see, in Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. You know, often we, I, I've read that uh, scripture and that passage a lot when we were growing up, and I always sort of thought, like, well, I need to have more faith. I need to have more faith. And the reason he's able to say that is because it's not the size of your faith that matters, but it's who you put your faith in. That's the most important part of that story. It's who you put your faith in. Our faith when placed in Jesus Christ, who is mighty in creation, is mighty to conquer sin, is mighty to destroy death. He can overrule anything. And because of that, we all have this conquering shield of faith. And we need to take up that shield of faith by putting our faith and trust only in Jesus Christ. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. Paul talks about the helmet of salvation in verse 17. Now, when we look at Isaiah, when God puts on the helmet of salvation, it's quite different to what we read in the New Testament because he goes out with wrath and anger to rescue people from Israel. So he goes out and he destroys nations who've come up against Israel. Um, and he goes out as this mighty warrior to defeat those who've rebelled against God and the enemies of him to rescue the nation of Israel. So that's what we read about in Isaiah. In the New Testament, Christ wears this helmet of salvation to face and conquer the greatest foes of all, sin and death. And Jesus conquers that on the cross. But in Ephesians 6, Jesus said, um, who has conquered sin and death, he hands over this helmet of salvation to those of us who are Christians to wear it. But you might think, man, do I have to go out into battle and, and defeat well, here's the good news. We don't. We don't. Why? Because Jesus has already won the victory. He's already won the victory over sin and death. We've been freed from shame into glory. We've been rescued from dark to light. We've been redeemed from death to life. That's already been accomplished by Jesus Christ. And so we wear this helmet of salvation, not because we're going to go out and win our own salvation. We don't have to do that because Jesus did it for us. No, because we know that our salvation has already been won for us by our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And by putting on that helmet, we're acknowledging that our salvation, he, that grants us huge protection against the evil one. Thank you, Jesus, for winning the victory. The sword, the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In verse 17, Paul talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're given a sword, a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you know, sometimes in, in Christian circles, and especially if you like to dive into a bit of theology now and again, we, we often um, 
I've heard this a few times, where we have two ends of the spectrum. Well, and I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but I definitely have. But I've heard people say things like this. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a more of a spiritual person. And um, I enjoy to, to share what God lays on my heart. I, I experience the Holy Spirit. Um, but I don't really read my Bible much. That's not my gift, and that's not my calling. That's not really who I am. And then the other end of the spectrum, you've got, you know what, I'm the Word guy. I'm the Word guy. I've got the biggest Bible in the church. And uh, I love the Bible. I read the Bible all the time. Yes. I want long sermons. I want longer sermons. Yes. Amen to that, right? I like reading the Bible, but I'm just a Word person. And yet, in studying and reading the Word, there's no understanding that the Holy Spirit is the author of this Word. Oh, that's a bit interesting. You see, when you, read, when you start reading this Word, you can't help but encounter the Holy Spirit. Because He Himself meets you and changes you. You see, it's the Holy Spirit who actually helps us understand what this Word is saying. So I think this, this spectrum, this, this, this sort of spiritual people at one end and, and Word people at the other end, um, excuse it, but I think it's nonsense. I think it's absolute nonsense because the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit wrote this book, was inspired by God. He's the primary author of this book. So if you're a word person, you're a spiritual person. And if you're a word person who reads this without encountering and knowing the Holy Spirit, you're not really a word person. You're not really submitting to this book at all if you don't understand it. So if you're a spiritual person and you've been in, um, in, in times where you feel God has inspired you uh, to, 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 to share something that God has taught you through it. You are a word person and a spiritual person. You see, he is the author of the book. This, this book is so powerful. So I want us as a church, I want me as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, to be a word person and a spiritual person. Absolutely. You see, when we read this Bible, when we read the Word of God, we begin to know the Spirit more and more. There's a, there's, a, there's a song by Casting Crowns, and it talks about Satan's schemes. And there's a line in it that says, The truth lies dusty on your shelf, and the sword that you could slay him with becomes an ornament and nothing else. Wow. You know, there's some of us potentially in this room who the Bible has just become an ornament on our shelf in the house. Or it's an unopened app in your phone. And I tell you, if you are living that way, if you're not indulging and reading this book, I'm telling you now, you're leaving yourself open to Satan's attacks. Because this, this is the sword that we need to use to defend ourselves. When Satan's attacks comes, you know, maybe people will say, oh, I want to put on worship music. That stuff is good, of course. But open the Word of God and start speaking truth. Because when Jesus was tempted by the devil, what did he do? He spoke truth from the Word. And also, don't just rely on Sundays. Because, yes, we definitely prioritize the Word of God here. And we will continue to preach the Word of God as long as we possibly can. Until Jesus returns, we will preach this book. But let each of us be people who daily pick up our Bible and read it for ourselves. It's time for us to stop being spoon-fed. 
And that's a challenge, a challenge for us today. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you and give you renewed energy to read the Word. We need to read our Bibles. We need to learn it. We need to memorize it. We need to read it. Because it's a sword of truth. The last thing that Paul wraps this all together with is by praying. By praying. So fasten the belt of truth. Take up the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith that is Jesus Christ. Put on the helmet of salvation that's been given to you. And take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Clothe yourselves in these things and you will stand firm against Satan and all his allies. And then in verse 18, Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit. You know, I've kind of expressed these pieces of armor like about knowing things, being equipped. You know, you, you need to know the truth and you need to remember what the truth is. You need to know that you are righteous enough. God has made you righteous. You need to know that you have salvation through Jesus Christ and the work of the cross. You need to know that you have to have faith uh, when you have faith, that when you put your faith, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have to know your word. But if you really want to truly put on the pieces of the armor that we've described this morning, you have to pray these things on. We are in a spiritual battle and we need to be praying. We need to be praying. You know, over the last couple of years as pastor of this church, I definitely feel like I felt the devil trying to attack me personally. I want to be really honest. Me personally, our staff, our leadership. You see, God is moving in some incredible ways. And we're seeing more people come to know Jesus. And it's all for His glory. Amen? But the devil's on the move. He's speaking lies into people's lives. And one of the things that I truly believe that has helped us as a leadership to stand strong is not only being equipped with the armor of God, but it's also because we pray. We pray every week as a staff. We pray every time we get together as an elders group. There's a group who meets every Monday and they pray faithfully for us. And I haven't stopped banging on about this, but Kingdom Night has been so, so important for us as a church. I actually believe it's probably our most important service that we put on, that we pray together. You see, church, we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle, and praying is so, so important, and it's an important part for every believer in Christ. You see, God has given this mighty, wonderful armor that cannot be defeated. And if we're active in praying and wearing it in our minds because it's a spiritual battle that we're called into, we will go into spiritual battles well-equipped to fight for God, not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers and authority. I want to finish with this, uh, with this thought and invite the team up to, to lead us again. But in Ephesians 6, God provides us clothes, uh, clothes us as his servants with the spiritual armor and weaponry. And I want to do a quick comparison into Colossians 2 verse 15, where Paul is describing what Christ has achieved on the cross. And he says this, God has disarmed the rulers in authority and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. So in Ephesians 6, God is preparing his army. He's clothing his people, each of us in his armor. And in Colossians 2, God is disarming and taking away all the weapons 
an armor of the of the of the enemy of the evil one. Because remember this: Jesus Christ on the cross defeated Satan. And though he is powerful and he's still at work today and he's determined to take us down, know that he has already been defeated. He's been defeated by Jesus on the cross. He's already won the battle. Jesus has defeated Satan. So we don't have to fear Satan. We don't have to fear Satan. We don't have to be worried about him because Jesus has already defeated him. What we need to do is take up the armor of God and know that Christ has the victory. You see, God has actually disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And as we come to the close in this series in Ephesians, I want us to claim this amazing truth that Satan has been defeated. He's no threat. He's no threat if we're wearing the armor of God. Jesus Christ has the victory. You know, one day, one day we will know that. We will know that victory in fullness when He brings us back. We'll know it in fullness and it's going to be great. But in the meantime, let's make sure we're well equipped as a church. That we're spiritually putting on the armor of God. We're praying over it as well. So important. I don't know if you noticed, but the end of the, the end of the book that Paul asked them to pray for him. He says, in the same way, we need to equip ourselves with the spiritual armor. We've got to go. We've got to start praying for each other. Paul asked the church to pray for him, as he proclaims the good news of Jesus. I ask you to pray for us, as a leadership, staff. And I'm, I'm committed to praying for you guys. Let's pray for one another. That all of us might go out and live our lives and walk in love, glorifying God, wearing the breastplate of righteousness, wearing the belt of truth, taking up the shield of faith, wearing the helmet of salvation with our shoes fitted with readiness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and taking the sword of the Spirit of the Word of God with us. You see, the Christian who lives like that is going to be effective for Jesus Christ. Do you want to be effective for Jesus Christ? Well, then let's live it out. Let's stand firm through all things. And when the wind rages, when the storm comes, because it'll come that we'll stand with the armor of God that He Himself has worn and God has now crafted and given it to you. Won't you stand? Let's stand together. Come on. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you once again for that beautiful book of Ephesians. And right now I'm asking, and maybe if we just stretch out our hands and receive from God, would you spiritually clothe us in your armor that you yourself has worn, that you yourself has won the victory in? Lord, I pray that you would help us to fasten ourselves with the belt of truth, cling to the truth of all things, especially when Satan brings lies against us. Lord, I pray that you would once again clothe us in the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you for Jesus Christ and his death on the cross that gave us that breastplate. I pray that our feet would be ready 
that we would be ready to share the gospel of peace, the good news of Jesus to as many people as possible. I pray that we will take up the shield of faith. May our faith always be in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Lord, teach us. Lord, teach us, I pray, to be excellent sword masters with your Word. May we use your Word effectively. May we understand it, memorize it, and carry it in a way that honors and protects ourselves. And Lord Jesus, I pray this. May we never, may we never compromise the truth to fit our lives but rather to hold on what is true, even if it hurts. Lord, we know that no one can stand against you. Your purposes, your will will never be stopped. And yet we know that we're attempting to do a great thing in this city. We want to see thousands and hundreds of people come to know Jesus. And we've stepped out in faith. So Lord, would you close us with your armor, protect us, help us that we may fight a winning battle in Palmerston North. Lord, may many people come to know you. We know that it is you who does it, Lord, not for our glory, but for your glory, that many people would praise the name of Jesus. And we pray all these things in the wonderful name of him. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like any more information on our church, how to give, or maybe after today's message you'd like to talk to someone, you can find out everything you need to know on our website, which is crossroads.co.nz. Make sure you click subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss out on new content. Thanks for stopping by.